Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. He's Jason Leisure. Jason, coming up, we will talk about a Bears win and whether it meant anything on a foggy Christmas Eve. Uh, that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason, the Bears are 27-16 winners at home against the Cardinals, who came in as the third-worst team in football. Uh, The Bears got there in predictable fashion. Huge lead. uh, Try to blow it in the fourth quarter. Uh, it gets as close to an eight-point game, or as close as an eight-point game, uh, with the ball in the Cardinals' hands in the final five minutes or so. Did we learn anything about these guys that we didn't know through the first fifteen weeks? Because sitting here right now, my answer is no. Minus two, Pat, and they should look good against the Cardinals. Not only the Cardinals are not just what three and twelve. I think is the record. They're not just the three and twelve team. Look at every number about the Cardinals, especially on defense. They are bad at everything. They don't have a strength right. defensively. So you should do better than 27 points and letting the Cardinals hang around. So what we saw early, we saw a 21 nothing lead by the Bears. That's kind of the bar. Right. That's where that should be. This game needs to end up something more like 40-13 to 13 mm-hmm. for it to be what it should be against the Cardinals. Yeah, it, uh, it, the reason it's, it wasn't is you had an offense that stalled out completely. After Cole Komet got hurt, Komet had a career-best game in the first quarter alone. Uh, four catches for, what, 107 yards, something yeah, like that. Yeah, best game he's had. Uh, come, you know, goes to the locker room at halftime after being in the injury tent. Does not come back out. He's got a knee injury. Eberflus said things look optimistic, uh, but they'll know more going forward. Without him, the, the Bears' offense really did struggle – and there's a really bad Justin Fields interception in there, and, and we'll get to it. It's his first interception in, what, four games, something like that? But in the situation, it was really, really inexcusable. And, and then you've got some kind of typical late-game mistakes. I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Where do you want to go when trying to figure out what happened? Is It's not possible the Bears got bored with a 21-point lead, is it? No, I think they just aren't good enough to sustain something like that. And Maybe it sounds silly to be picking apart any win that they ever get. Right. When you talk about how bad this team has been for how long, going back to 2021, 6-11 with Matt Nagy. Um, but we want to cover them like a real team, don't we? Like right. They have aspirations to be a real team next year. They had aspirations to be a real team this year, mm-hmm. to be contending for a playoff spot, and they have not even been close. Um, I think that it was – I, one thing that was eye-opening. Right. I don't know that I would call this the most important thing. There are a lot of things to consider here. It was eye-opening looking at what they had offensively when DJ Moore hurts his ankle on the second play of the game and is essentially just a decoy. Right. He's not healthy enough to really get open. Finishes with three for 18 yards. Three catches for 18 yards. So you take, out, you take him out. Cole Komet you take actually out of the game. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot there to work with for Justin Fields as a passer. Darnell Mooney has had a, a really bad season. I think he had two catches for five yards today. He's throwing, uh, Justin Fields throwing in the end zone to Mercedes Lewis, right. who is, I think, my age. Uh, turns, turns 40 in May. Yeah, we're right around, we're okay. right about on the same timeline then. Um, but all of that being, and you have the offensive line committing all kinds of penalties. Right. Just in horrible times. Uh, Braxton Jones, 
Lucas Patrick, Nate Davis, all with a holding penalty. Nate Davis's was declined, but he, you know, added a false start later. And Lucas Patrick's hold negated what would have been a 32-yard run by Justin Fields. And, and I'm not this guy. I didn't think it was a hold. I, I usually am not the kind of person who complains about that. I, I thought that was tinky tack. Okay. But nonetheless, it counts. Braxton Jones' hold was two holds. Right. <laughs> he had whoever he had. I don't remember who he had, but I could visualize it in my mind that he had him, he he had him by the yeah. neck. <laughs> right. Uh, so issues, mm-hmm. issues in the skill players, issues on the offensive line, but this is not the team that he played on last year where they have nothing. Right. And all of that being said, Justin Fields cannot need everything to be perfect in order to function. Mm-hmm. That's not what it's going to be like in the NFL ever for most teams. And there are so many guys that are backup quarterbacks around the league that can come in and do fine when everything's in place perfectly. So that can't be the, the expectation for Justin Fields. And after that 21 nothing lead, Patrick, he completed 7 of 16 passes for 51 yards the rest of the game. We've talked here before about how it must be nice to, to, to be a team that's good enough that you can have a bad day and win and be able to kind of joke about it on your way out the door. How is this? Is this an example of that, or are the Cardinals so bad that it, that that we don't look at it that way? Because you could very easily sit here and go, "It's a defense who had four t- or thirteen takeaways in four games today. They had zero. You have Justin Fields, who, uh, like you said, was really bad uh, once he lost his you know favorite target uh, twice over. They still find a way to beat a team that's bad." Is that, is that, do we get credit for that if you're them or not? Do no. we give credit? Okay. Not, not for me. Okay. Um, What's the, the difference? We always not, talk about the Eagles yeah. laughing off, eh, yeah. we had a bad day and we still won. That's the difference, though, is that look what the Eagles have accomplished. Mm-hmm. So when the Eagles just scrape by the Cardinals or Cardinals adjacent, whatever, right. Right. you say, well, they kind of, you know, played a terrible game and got away with it. Right. When the Bears scrape by the Cardinals, the right way to look at this is that's how much better they are than the Cardinals. That's it. The Bears haven't earned that credibility. The Bears don't have this impressive no. yeah, body of work yeah. to where when they play badly, you're like, well, that's an aberration. Like, yeah. No, there's a lot of things about this that are not that far off of their normal growth chart. But if they'd won this game 42-13, yeah. are we sitting here going, who cares? It's the Cardinals. I am sitting here saying a little bit of that because yep. it's too little, little too late, but I'm sitting here saying, well, that's what they should do. Mm-hmm. That's them living up to what you should do in this right. situation. That's that's at least – I guess what I would say is I wouldn't say that uh, I am um, would be negating it. Right. But I, I would say it just doesn't matter because it's so late and it's against the bad team and they need some of these good performances against the good teams. Devil's advocate, and then we'll move on. They led the whole time. They were up 21-0. The fact that it got close at the end gave us all here-we-go-again vibes. But close was they were never in danger of losing. They were in danger of maybe tying. And the Cardinals didn't get past the 35 coming out. Yeah. Is I mean, that, that's, I mean that is a lot, that's everything to do with their Bears' defense. Right, sure. That's nothing that the offense and Justin Fields did. The point, I'm making is, the point I'm making is I think that we've seen enough Bears games – to see patterns that are disturbing in wins and losses. You probably saw the Bears win games kind of like this in 2018. Yeah. Not probably. every game was a masterpiece. 
Yeah. But you're winning enough games, and you're winning enough games convincingly, right. and playing well against good teams even when you don't win, mm-hmm. that your total body of work says you're a good team. Right. And you, a good team entitled to an off day, especially when they can still win right. on kind of an off day. The, the Bears don't have any of that. Mar- this is this is still pet. This is still kind of in the normal range of how the Bears play. This is if you would have asked me to write down on a piece of paper, uh, how does this game go, and put it in an envelope before kickoff. I, I think I would have written this. I think I would have said, uh, get a sizable lead. You know, defense uh, defense lets them back in at the end. Uh, would you had Would you have had Justin Fields stats right around there? 170 yards, a touchdown, an interception. I think I would have had better passing yards for it him. It fits close to his average. Oh, it, it does. But, but I thought I was having kind of Mitch Trubisky against the Buccaneers. I was too. Yeah. That, that was kind of what I went into this expecting. And um, so clearly I'd be let down by what sure. happened. Sure. But I think that was a reasonable expectation. Not that they would score 48 and he'd throw six right. touchdowns. But that it would look something like that. That it would be at least be convincing yeah. against teams that are this bad. And 20 minutes into the game, it felt like that. And it did. And yes. then and then it went away. Mark Potash and I were talking after the game, uh, and he had a good point. You know, coming out of this game, you don't feel any better about Justin Fields at 7 p.m. than you did at uh, 7 a.m., yeah. right? We, we keep not mentioning, by the way, he rushed for 97 yards. That was great. Great. And he, yeah. and he should have rushed for 150, but yeah. there were those facts. But you don't feel any better about Fields tonight than you did this morning. You don't feel any better about Luke Getze tonight oh than, my you did, goodness, Getze. than you did this morning. Getze, again, goes too cute by half in short yard situations. One of them was the Mercedes Lewis touchdown, which came off a play fake up the middle and then a play fake on an, on an end around. It was as though he was trying to see how cute he could possibly get. Um, the inexcusable one, I thought, was the third and one direct snap to Roshan Johnson uh, in the fourth quarter. Third and one, Bears absolutely have to have it to, to try to kill the game here. And um, instead, they walk off Justin Fields in motion, snap it to a rookie running back who gets stuffed, and they've got a punt. Uh, it's so you don't feel any more convinced by Fields. No. You don't feel any more convinced by Getsy. Uh, which gets me to Eberflus. Eberflus's direct responsibility is Getsy and Fields, and the defense and everything else that has to do with the ball. Getsy. He chose as well. Correct. Uh, in fact, I mean, he didn't choose Fields, but he chose Getsy. Um, but I feel like an evaluation of Eberflus at the end of the season will be based on a lot of things, including his record. You know, the Bears improving to, to six and nine helps Eberflus in a way it doesn't help those other two guys. You know, he right now has a chance to, if he wins the next two games, you know, finish as a winner of six of seven and a winner of five of six. They'd be sitting there at eight and nine. Eight and nine. Which, if you went into the season saying the Bears are going to be eight and nine, maybe a game out of the playoffs uh, after going three and fourteen last year, you would say that is without knowing all of the disasters (laughs) that ended up coming. How we got there? Just on paper, going from three to eight, three and fourteen to eight and nine, you say, "Oh man, Eberflus looks like he's doing well." Right, and uh, and it also tells you how bad the league is. Because the Bears had three just disastrous losses. That man, if you know, you know, if uh, you can sit there and talk yourself into, boy, they're they're what five minutes of game time away from having a chance to go eleven. You could probably talk, 11 some, and, you could probably talk a couple of their wins back into losses too, oh, look, too though. True, but it's uh, yeah, you're right. And I just I think that I don't think this changes my opinion of Eberflus, but I think 
it may I think if I don't think there were any winners today. Let's put it this way. I like this, Jason. I should have written this. There were no winners today. But Matt Eberflus came closest to being a winner today. I agree. And Matt Eberflus getting these last three wins, getting to eight and nine, the significance of that is really only if the Bears want to keep him. Because I just don't see how the last three games would change anybody's mind. I think the Packers matter to the McCaskies. That, that carries some weight, but that's not a good team this year. That team almost <laughs> lost to Carolina this they year. They drive you crazy. You can't figure them out. I right? don't I don't like them, and I don't like the Bills, because just be, be good or don't. <laughs> and it's like, what are you? Um, I don't see how those three games against pretty bad teams, Atlanta next week, Green Bay to finish, really would swing things one way or the other after two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking three weeks out of uh, – three games out of 34 – but I do think if you're the Bears, if you're Ryan Poles, for like, let's just let's just assume this is Ryan Poles' call, mm-hmm. which which is complicated because maybe McCaskey, maybe Warren factors into this. But let's assume, for argument's sake, it's Ryan Poles' call. Ryan Poles would never, by design, be firing the first coach he hired mm-hmm. after two seasons. That is not something he would want to do and want to have on his record. Now he also wants to keep his job mm-hmm. for as long as possible and do well in his job. And he is going to have to decide, man, this offseason, does he want to bet his job on Fields, Getze, Eberflus, right. or some combination of some of them? If Ryan Poles is already wanting to keep Matt Eberflus, mm-hmm. this will not – if Matt Eberflus gets to 8-9, and mm-hmm. five-win jump from last year, and the defense looks good, which it has pretty consistently lately – this would not be a case where Ryan Poles is saying, we're keeping Matt Eberflus, but I can't really explain why, right. like the Bears did with Matt Nagy mm-hmm. at the end of 2020. That is an argument, a justification to keep him. So I, while their evaluation might be kind of in on Eberflus and maybe they like him, they might be sitting here knowing that's a hard thing for us to put out publicly if you just if you crumble at the end. Yeah, you need to help us sell this. You got to give us eight and nine and a functionally, you know, a really good defense. Right. And then maybe we make the case that hey, Matt's doing a good job, and we haven't even gotten into all the off field of whatever with Alan Williams and David Walker and Chase right. Claypool and Justin Fields and uh, with Getzey early right. in the season, all of these snafus that have come up and Matt Eberflus. Every time he steps to a microphone in those situations, makes it in situations makes it worse. Right. But you're at least giving your bosses something to construct an argument off of, saying, "Hey, jumped from three to eight wins. Defense is looking good. All this guy needs is a reboot offensively. New coach, new court, new uh, new co- quarterback, new coordinator, mm-hmm. and we'll be off and running." And while that isn't what I would do, it's not crazy. No, there are some really good pieces in place here. Right, and I think we've talked about this before, but I could sit there and write you a five-minute speech to be read on Black Monday that says, boy, what a luxury the number one overall pick is going to have. Caleb Williams coming into our building, playing with a defense that's so good that he will have opportunity after opportunity to succeed, You know, knowing that the pressure's not on him because all he's got to do is score 20 points a game and we've got a chance. And, oh, here, we're going to bring in this – New offensive mind. He's still from the Green Bay tree, but you know he has say college experience too. Somebody who can work with him. Uh, there's, there's. Wait, a, who's that going to be? I, I'm just making. I'm just. I'm just. It's not going to be Nathaniel Hackett, is it? <laughs> no, I, okay. I, I'd rather hire you than Nathaniel Hackett. 
Um, I think there's a way to present this as moving in the right direction if you want to present it that way. If that's what you're wanting to do anyway. Right, and and that may be the case. Uh, real quick, Jason, before we go, uh, I wanted to ask you about Cairo Santos, a four-year, $16 million contract extension. Comes out uh, on Sunday, kicks two field goals, a couple extra po- or three extra points. Uh, boy, he, he has fixed the biggest problem the Bears have had in the last 10 years. Well, mm-hmm. uh, not the quarterback problem, but... Um, but a huge lingering problem since cutting Robbie Gold. Yeah. And, and they've just run through kickers. And it's just not even a thought anymore. It's just, oh, there's Cairo making another field yeah. I think we all take it for granted, myself included. But, boy, it's nice to see him get a, get a new deal, isn't it? See, he could have a bad game. Yeah. He could have a bad game, and you'd be like, well, that's an aberration. Mm-hmm. I think um, – I want to say last year he may have missed an extra point in a the game they lost by one. Like, he's had bad games. I think that's right. Um Look up if that's right, because I don't remember. I really don't. All there was a lot of losses last make, year to it follow. Makes for, makes, for, <laughs> makes for bad pod. But was go it ahead. the Lions game maybe yeah, at went. home? Um, Cairo Santos is an incredible story to me, Patrick, because you just don't see that often. That everything comes together for all sides at the right time, mm-hmm. and you just talked all about how he has. You, you need to interject with this right this second. I do. This couldn't wait. November 13th, 2022, misses an extra point. Again, they lose to the Lions by one. There okay, you go. moving on. Okay. Yes, back to you. Good fact checking. Okay, thank you. Of yourself. Um, you talked about how this has solved a huge problem for the Bears. Right. And that cannot be understated because Robbie Gold was a mainstay for them for so long. And when they cut Robbie Gold, they went through several kickers. They thought they found their answer in 2018 with Cody Parkey, and that went so badly. Not just a bad season, but then a, a terrible uh, – extremely memorable ending to that season with the double doink. And then they go to Eddie Pinheiro, and then Eddie Pinheiro gets hurt right away the next year uh, going into 2020. And Cairo Santos comes in, and not only is solid, Patrick, but is the best, most accurate kicker they've ever had. Highest field goal percentage of any kicker in Bears history and highest field goal percentage in Soldier Field of any kicker ever, and that's hard to find. That's what you really are paying for is a guy that can kick in Soldier Field in November and December when it doesn't happen to be, you know, 55 and clear like it was today, or clear-ish. But on the flip side of that, Cairo Santos was done when the Bears called him out of an emergency in training camp of 2020. Cairo Santos had gotten off to a pretty good start in his career with the Chiefs and then bounced around everywhere and had, including here, Briefly. Uh, what, so the Titans missed, uh, had, missed four in a game? He right? was, I think, with the Jets, with the Rams. He bounced around. There was teams he was on and then didn't um, in the offseason and then didn't play. I think he was on something like five teams in three or four years and was out on his butt mm-hmm. after missing four field goals in a game the Titans lost by seven points yep. and had no prospects at that time. And the Bears called him. And, I, and one of the things I asked him about today um, when I was just chatting with him afterward is – what, what did you think was going to happen when you came to the Bears? What did you think that was going to be? Because that was he surely couldn't have thought, I'll be here for the next seven years, right. which is what he will end up being here for, I think, uh, or maybe even longer, maybe eight, if he plays to the full length of that contract. And he said, yeah, you didn't know. They, they had Pinheiro, and Pinheiro's good, and Pinheiro's a kicker in the league right now for Carolina. And they just said maybe he's going to need three or four weeks. There wasn't even, when they brought him in, this assurance of we're going to need you for the first couple games. He came to the Bears 
as a practice squad player, not knowing whether he or well, he wasn't practice squad at the time, so they hadn't made the roster cuts. But I think they did cut him at the roster deadline and put him on the practice squad initially. Um, he came not knowing there would even be an opportunity, let alone like a one or two game opportunity. Right. So this has been this is a phenomenal story for both the Bears solving this lingering ongoing problem and for a guy whose career could have been done at 29 or whatever he was at the time and has had this whole second act that's better than he's ever been. Yeah, and there there are technical reasons behind it too. He shortened his steps. He worked on his legs, leg strength. There, there are changes he made in himself that, that accounted for this turnaround. And it's not that dissimilar from when the Bears cut Robbie. And Robbie went and, and figured himself out and came back and was just as good, if not better, uh, with the 49ers and the Giants than he'd been with the Bears. Yeah, the Bears are real lucky. Uh, to have kind of stumbled upon this, uh, I think it's a cheap. I mean, you know, it's a cheap problem to solve if all you got to do is throw money at it, and and they did that with him. Uh, Ryan Poles has now given out how many uh, multi-year deals uh, ever? Cole Komet, Andrew Billings, Cairo Santos. You're talking extensions? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's probably it. That's it, right? Yeah, this is only the second player that he's inherited from Ryan Pace that he has signed. Um, that was a good, was a good pickup by Nagy and Pace. If you remember, Matt Nagy was saying the reason that they he wanted them to call Cairo was because he'd had such confidence in Cairo when they were in Kansas City together. We'll see what happens when he has to kick kicks that matter. Like I, there's no, I mean, I know they all matter to him, but you know, one of the things about coming to the Bears in 2020 is. I mean, not a lot of not a lot of huge pressure situations in terms of uh, determining playoff fates or playoff seating or anything like that. He sounded like he had some pressure today, kicking. Even though the, these were not game deciding or season deciding kicks, but there he he kind of acknowledged there was some pressure of kicking after you signed that contract. Like that's not a good. He didn't say it, but that's not a good time to miss. No, it's a good problem to have though. Jeez. Um, uh, anything else grab you before we go? Um, uh, Bears defense, solid as usual. Um, I thought that uh, Terrell Smith, with his pass deflections on third and fourth down on the last Cardinals drive, that's a really good sign. Uh, he, he's been coming on. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm reaching here. No sacks for uh, for Montez Sweat, but he did have a, a pass deflection. Yeah, pretty quiet game for him. It's nice to have a pass rusher out there that you have expectations of, though. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought their pass rush was pretty good. Uh, as a whole, um, yeah. and and for it to be okay without him is an okay sign, I think. The only thing I, I think that we haven't really discussed is uh, it was kind of odd, the whole situation with Deontay Foreman this week where he practices Wednesday, then misses Thursday for a personal reason, then limited in practice Friday without an injury, right. and then uh, ruled out, I guess, with a personal reason Sunday, and uh, they didn't miss him at all. It was the greatest thing that ever happened to Khalil yeah. Herbert. Uh, Khalil Herbert, 20 carries, 100 and some odd. 112. Rushing, 112 rushing touchdown. yards. More rushing yards on Sunday than in his previous two months combined. More rushing yards on his first carry than in either of his last two games. Total, uh, a good day for him. You saw the speed. You saw the assertiveness when he hit the hole. Um, and I, I think a two-man rotation is just a better just a more comfortable thing for everybody, it seems like. I think those guys are both better players, too. Uh, Deontay Foreman, um, it was impressive what he did in Carolina. Mm-hmm. Last year, almost got to 1,000 yards. Uh, he has been impressive in terms of his 
attitude and work ethic mm-hmm. and being there when the Bears needed him after being inactive, being a healthy scratch. But there's, if you gave me the choice of how I wanted to put the pecking order with the running backs, it'd be Herbert and Johnson. And that's what's going forward, too. Well, that's, you know, that's the thing. You know, Jason, when you asked Matt Eberflus about, so are you going to make decisions to play younger guys because of where you are? This is one of those situations where, you know, the tie goes to the base runner, and, and uh, Khalil Herbert's going to be on the team next year. Roshan Johnson's going to be on the team the next three years. Dante Foreman's got two games left in a one-year contract. So uh, I think I, whether it's the better immediate decision or not, I think looking forward, there's no question that you'd rather see those two other guys play. Uh, that'll do it, Jason. Uh, for anybody who uh, is traveling this holiday season, please be safe and uh, – enjoy what you can. Jason, we're going to go see our families and then uh, get Christmas Day off. The Bears gave their players the day after Christmas off, too. Uh, but we will go see Matt Eberflus on Tuesday. You will hear from us later in the week or as news warrants. But until then, you can follow Jason, myself, and Mark Potash on social media. Check us out on the Sun-Times website, on the app, or if you live in town, in newsprint. Uh, he's Jason Leisure. I'm Patrick Finley. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back again real soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.